That's it. You open your Bibles tonight to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. And we will be looking at verses 2 through 8 tonight. Now, Sunday, we looked at just verse 1. Uh, and it was an introduction. It's Mark's introduction to his gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, he states right out who Jesus is. He is the Christ, and he's the Son of God. And I want to also emphasize again, the four gospels are not really biographies of the life of Jesus. That's what some modern people think. No, they're, the four gospels they, they're t they're the, they're telling you who Jesus is, uh, because like with Mark, six out of sixteen of his chapters, well, five of them deal with his his final week of ministry, often called the Holy Weeks, Palm Sunday to Good Friday, and the sixth chapter is dealing with the resurrection and his ascension. So he it is all pointing to that final, that, that event of the cross, what Christ would do at the cross. And I think it's important when we read the four Gospels to always have that in mind. He's pointing us to Christ's mission. This is uh, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And before we read verses 2 through 8, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, just ask you to uh, uh, help me, your unworthy servant, as I read and uh, proclaim it. And Lord, help us to draw closer to Christ as we look at this, these, these writings, Lord, of, of John Mark and of his, his uh, Lord, his description of, what, of Jesus' ministry and of that gospel message that the world needs to hear, and Lord, that we need to hear each and every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, uh, Mark continues uh, from his introduction, which was the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of, skin, of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Uh, Mark's gospel just jumps right on in. Uh, there is no nativity story in the gospel of Mark. He's, he's taking you right to the heart of it. And each of these four gospel writers, 
They write to a different audience. It is believed that Mark's gospel was written to a Roman audience. And so he just jumps right on in with the, the prophecy. The prophecies of both Malachi and Isaiah. That's what he means when he says, as it is written in the prophets. Uh, he's referring here, of course, to the, uh, the Old Testament prophecies of the coming of John the Baptist. I know that in December we looked a lot at the, uh, the, the, earth, the birth of John the Baptist and of his parents. Uh, I believe it was Dr. Don McCormick uh, who called John the Baptist the last of the Old Testament prophets and the, and the first of the New Testament preachers. You know, he, he was saying that he's kind of like a bridge between the Old and the New Testament. He's inaugurating something new. He says something's changing now. The Messiah is coming. Prepare yourself for him. The Old Testament prophecies of the Old Testament are now being fulfilled. And, and you notice he states the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And I guess uh, I didn't mention what I entitled this message is prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Because that's uh, what the voice of one crying in the wilderness came doing, John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist came announcing the coming of the Messiah. Make his path straight, he states. Uh, it states in verse 3, the prophet. Uh, that can also be translated, make a straight path for him to travel or clear the road for him. You remember during Ida, and uh, it's hard to believe it almost be three years here in, in September. It just seems like high time flies. But I know when after Ida, Hurricane Ida hit, the roads were a mess here in in Tangible Parish. Of course, we're in Livingston Parish. I'm sure it was here, but throughout the South Louisiana. But I know in Hammond, it was you couldn't get out of. I mean, I couldn't. You couldn't travel where I was at. It was uh, light poles down, trees down everywhere. And you, you look at that and says, boy, that's going to take, I mean, that's just a mess. How did I ever get out here? Of course, they had to clear the way. They had to clear the road. Cleaning crews did. Well, uh, he is st stating that John the Baptist, uh, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John came to prepare the way for the Messiah, uh, to prepare hearts for the Messiah. Uh, if you go to Luke, to Luke's gospel, chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, gives a little bit more uh, uh, information on, uh, on John the Baptist preaching here. Uh, Luke is, while while Mark hits is very to the point, if you read the Gospel of Luke, he goes into a lot great detail, very much great detail. And I wanted to hit on these two verses uh, where it says, Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? 
Come forth, therefore, come bring forth, excuse me, therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able uh, of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. John the Baptist came, I mean, he came very bluntly. Generation of vipers, serpents. That's rough. That's hard preaching, isn't it? Uh, he was hitting to the point. He says, don't say, hey, we have Abraham as our father. This was a problem for the Jewish people. You later see this with Jesus' ministry in John when he had to deal with these unbelieving Jews. They were clinging unto their father, you know, this Abraham, just like a lot of people today, cling to their religion. It was a hindrance to them. They needed to hear, hey, just because you have blood kin to Abraham don't mean you're in a right relationship with God if you don't have Abraham's faith. Just like there's people today who I've run into this, you know, that hey, my mother and my father and grandfather, they founded that Baptist church that I go to. Now they don't they never came to church, but they had the assurance because they had their grandma's religion, grandpa's religion. You know, it's, it's like it's, uh, it's much of the same thing. Look, religion can be a problem. Religion can be a problem, a hindrance for people coming to know Christ. That needs to be cleared out of the way. Uh, sin, this world and the cares are often roadblocks to people coming to Christ. John the Baptist came uh, came telling them it's time to repent. Don't be trusting in your good works. Don't be, uh, you know, it, it's time for you to prepare yourselves. Notice what it states going back to Mark's gospel uh, that he, he baptized in the wilderness. He preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins or release from sins. This does not mean he, he was preaching baptismal regeneration. Uh, no, the, he, he, was, he was preaching uh, that they needed to repent and be baptized. Repentance means a change of mind. Turning from sin. You have to see sin the way God sees it. When we start seeing sin the way God sees it, it changes us. Johnny C. Good, Goodwin uh, in the Layman's Bible Book Commentary of Mark says that confessions, uh, confession of sins accompanied baptism and repentance as a public facing up to one's sins. John's baptism, the, 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 the water baptism he was doing, it was symbolic of cleansing, of turning from sin. Uh, that they would repent. It was a public decision of one turning from their sin and looking to Christ who is coming. It was a preparation for the imminent appearing of the Messiah. Now, in Christian baptism that Jesus inaugurated uh, after his ascension, which the church practiced, it, it also demonstrates repentance, but it goes even farther. 
because it declares you're not only turning from sin, you're identifying with Jesus Christ. Notice what the Apostle Paul states in Acts chapter, I mean not Acts, Romans chapter 6. In verse 3, where Paul states, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life, for if we have been planted together in the likeness, uh, likeness of His death, we shall also in the likeness of His resurrection. He's stating that, you know, when we were baptized, that we were identifying with Christ. We, he describes it being that we, we were baptized into His death. You know, baptism uh, demonstrates or shows forth the death of Christ and the and uh, notice uh, and his burial. We often leave that part out, but it's important because the Bible speaks of the death burial. It reminds us that Jesus actually was buried just like any other person, and he was raised up from the dead. We identify with his death, his burial, and resurrection. And when we do baptism, what what do we do? Go going down some. Symbolizing Christ's death, burial, resurrection. We are identifying with Christ. We are saying it's not by my good works that I'm saved, but it's by His works that He did. Uh, notice verse 6 here in Romans 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look, it'd be good to read these verses every day to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. To reckon ourselves dead to sin. Uh, to remind us who we are. Sometimes we forget who we are. When this flesh, this flesh wants to pull us back and we don't reckon ourselves dead unto sin. So as John's baptism uh, was a call for repentance, to, uh, a baptism of repentance. Christian baptism also is a baptism of repentance but goes even further for we identify with the Messiah. We identify with Christ and His death, His burial and resurrection. And, and, and you'll notice here in verse 5, Look here, you know, we talk about how John, he was, you know, he looked what we read in Luke. He preached a pretty hard message. I mean, he called them a bunch of vipers. But look what happened in verse 5. What it tells us, there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem. Now, this does not mean every single person. It's just talking about the great crowds in Judea and Jerusalem coming to him. 
and were all baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. It wasn't just an empty ritual, John's baptism, but it was a, these were many confessing their sins. God was at work here, can we not say? God was at work. He was work, at work through the preaching of John the Baptist and his ministry. And, and it, 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 he didn't come preaching a feel-good message. He didn't come trying to entertain people like too often today we, we think that we have to entertain people. Look, God does the work in the end. John came doing what God called him to do to prepare the way for the Messiah. And God worked through his preaching. Now look, you can also draw big crowds and not be doing the work of God. We could make some flyers up and put it in the paper that this Sunday we're going to have a drawing here at Grace Fellowship and somebody's going to win $50,000. And I bet you we'd have a pretty good crowd. Probably have to bring out the chairs. Not only where we get fifty thousand dollars have to give away, but we could, <laughs> but we could say, you know, what I'm trying to say is, if we did have that, but would would it be the work of the Lord? No, it'd be an abomination. It'd be uh, you'd be entertaining wolves, and I think there's a danger there. Paul stated in Romans ten seventeen, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and it's so important we believe. Uh, what the word of God says about itself. John came preaching God's word that God had gave to him and God blessed it. People were being convicted of their sins. After, and remember, let me make it clear, and I, I may have not made this clear. When John came preaching, it had been a long time since there had been a prophet. You, leave, you, you go to the old time, what, 400 years Malachi, and now God is speaking again. Interesting, his first words are, repent, yeah. repent. It's not believe in yourself or even God loves you. It's repent. Turn from your sins. John, by the way, you notice the humility of John in verses 6 and 7 here. Uh, he was clothed with camel's hair. He wasn't, he wasn't dressed real nice-like with a girdle of skin about his loins. He did eat locust and wild honey. And, and he said, there's coming one mightier than I. See, John was pointing to somebody. He wasn't pointing to himself. He was pointing to the Messiah. And he says, I'm not even worthy uh, to, to stoop down and unloose the latchet of his shoes. And studying that, uh, I didn't realize that this was something that only a slave could do. Even servants, you know, of a, of a rabbi wouldn't do this, but only a slave. And he says, I'm not even worthy to do that. This is how mighty this one is that's coming, the Messiah. And then he states, look, I indeed, I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Uh, again, 
Mark's gospel is pointing us to this new, the new covenant, what Jesus is going to do, uh, that he is coming for the salvation of people. He's even pointing to the church and its beginnings. If you go with me to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, right before Jesus' ascension, And uh, let's go to verse 4. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. This is right before Jesus' ascension. It says, After being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of. For truly John truly, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Jesus, right before his ascension, uh, is, is referring back to, to what John was prophesying of. John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost because the Holy Spirit is sent from Jesus and the Father. And then you go to Acts chapter 2. And there in Acts chapter 2, they were all together. And I'm not going to read all of this, but verse 2 states, uh, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, cloven tongues of fire. And notice verse 6. And, and it says, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because they, that every man heard them speak in his own language. There were Jews from all over the world here. And they were hearing them speak in their own language. Uh, Chad Bird states this is the reversal of what happened in Genesis 11 at uh, Babel. That, that God is drawing him a new people. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And then go down to verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lift up his voice and saith unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is which that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter said, uh, Jesus mentioned John the Baptist in Acts 1, and here Peter goes back to Joel's prophecy 
of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is what John was stating. Jesus is baptizing them with the Holy Spirit. The coming of the indwelling Spirit. Uh, uh, it might could be said that this is the exclamation point on Resurrection Sunday. The fruit of the resurrection. God is drawing him in a new people. In the Old Testament, it was just a few people who would receive the Holy Spirit to empower them to do a, a job. But now, God is pouring out His Spirit and making Him a new people to indwell them. You go to Acts chapter 11. This is right after... Peter had preached to some Romans, and I'm not going to go into all the detail here, but you remember Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit fell on them in chapter 10, and he had to defend this because many of the Jews said, I don't know about this, all these Gentiles getting saved, these Romans getting saved. And I want you to notice what he stated in verse 15 of Acts 11, defending this. Peter says, and as I began to speak, what happened? The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning, just like Pentecost. Some have called uh, uh, Acts 10 the Gentile Pentecost or the Roman Pentecost. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I should withstand God? When they heard these things, they held, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Amen. But I love what Peter said in verse 15. As I began to speak, as I began to preach, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. I'm going to tell you, folks, no one's going to get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist's baptism was a baptism of repentance. But Christ baptizes people with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it is before you can... It, it is by the Holy Spirit's work, His work in our life that gives us faith to believe upon Christ. And look, this should be an encouragement to us, by the way, for evangelism, just reading what Peter stated. I mean, these Romans that he preached to, the Holy Spirit came on, they believed. Because sometimes there's people that I deal with, that I've witnessed to, and I say, I don't know if they'll... Am I doing any good here? But when I say that, I'm thinking my wording right there was wrong. Mm -hmm. Am I doing anything? It's not about me. Yeah. You know, when I say that, am I just wasting my time? You do what you're told to. You do just like John the Baptist. He came, he had a mission to preach, to point to the Messiah. The results are in God's hands. When Peter preached to the Romans there, and even at Pentecost, the results were in God's hands and the Holy Spirit's. That should be comforting when we do evangelism. I, re I remember the testimony of a, a dear brother who's gone to be with the Lord now, but he, he, he got 
saved at Hyde Park Baptist Church. He was one of the, I think he was the second person I ever baptized. And his testimony was pretty simple that he, he started reading the book of Romans, Paul's epistle to the Romans. And after he finished it, he was a Christian. That's a great testimony. You believe the word of God? I believe that you, he wasn't just reading any book. He was reading God's word. And, uh, and it, it convicted him and converted him to turn to Christ, to see Christ as his only Savior. Look, God works through the word. I need to be reminded of that. We all need to be reminded of that. John came preaching, preparing people for the Messiah. As John... John the Baptist came pointing people to Jesus. So must we each and every day. It's a great example. Point, don't point to yourself, your own ministry. I think that's one of the problems with American Christianity. We want to point to our, our ministry, our church. When we should just give them Christ. Give them Jesus. And have faith. That the word of God is effective, folks. The word of God, this is the words of the Holy Spirit. It's not man-made words. And pray for it to be effective. Who do you know you need to point to Christ? Who is on your heart? I have a lot on my heart. Some people, I was, as I was working, I was thinking of some people. May God burden us more. May God open up opportunities for us to show them Christ the only Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this example that we read of here, this uh, of how John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance to prepare the way for our Lord Jesus Christ, to point people to him. Oh, Lord, help us learn from this example to point people to Christ. He is the only hope for this world. Oh Lord, help us always to remember that. That is not through politics. It's not who's going to be president here at the end of this year. But it's Christ is our hope. And Lord, help us as we leave here tonight to be that gospel witness to this lost and dead world. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.